We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Listen up. All you ever ask for is an opportunity. You got it today. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me want to been extremely durable and just when you look at his efficiency as a pass protector not just last year but his entire career like in in two of his first three seasons he allowed 28 pressures or less that is elite in last year there was only 32 tackles to play at least 900 snaps out of all those guys Dawkins allowed the ninth fewest pressures in the league at again only 28 that's less than two per game He's been incredibly efficient. He's been dirt cheap so far, which, again, I thought he was going to go for a bigger payday considering, you know, his second-round pick. They're not making that much money. Um, he, he's never missed a game in his career. He's long. He's strong. He's technically proficient. I mean, he's he's kind of exactly what you want in, in a developmental second-round left tackle that comes in and shatters expectations. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pal Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was Brett Coleman of the Bootleg Football Podcast talking about the recent extension of Deion Dawkins. Yes, Deion Dawkins extended, McDermott extended. We're going to get that. It's that. a celebration, folks. That is a celebration. We're going to celebrate. The most positive podcast we've had in weeks. Yeah, and we're going to celebrate that a little bit later. First, we have a little bit of celebrating to do. On, on my part, but in order to give our audience a oh, base no. on this, oh no, we gotta get in our DeLorean 
and go back to May. Every date that you get because of this stupid colored mohawk, I'll drink a Seagram's. Okay. A, because A, I don't think it's going to happen. B, I don't want to be a part of a world that allows that to happen. So if the diabetes takes me faster, so be it. All right. Well, how how we'll have to figure that the, uh, the whatever that what's the context of uh, of a date? We'll need your rules. Dinner, dinner, and there's some display of affection over the course of it. You either hold hands or there's a kiss to end the night. True. How excited are you to be drinking a Seagrams? I'm gonna get one out of the uh, refrigerator, but I'm gonna hand you my phone, and you do have to describe to the listeners what you are looking at. So I will hand you the phone. Oh my god. Okay, folks. It's a picture of Chris standing with a young lady. Chris is wearing a flannel short sleeve shirt because he's an idiot. It's not flannel. It's plaid. And then short shorts. Boat shorts, I'll call them. He's standing with a young lady. Long brunette hair, probably shoulder length. With her back to the camera. She seems like uh, she's She's got a, a full-figured lady, but not uh, she's what you would call thick, with a couple C's after the end. A thick lady in a yellow dress, and they are standing in the middle of a circle of Seagrams. Chris! Yeah, we're holding hands. And she's literally, you're holding hands, and she is feeding you something on a fork. Yeah. I just, we What hit- the hell is going on around here? Hey, I mean, she finds it intriguing that I produce a podcast, so I uh, I laid it out there. I'm like, well, we got to take a, we got to take a picture with Seagrams, so uh, so we have proof that my friend Drew has to drink a Seagrams, and you know and she agreed to this. Yes, she does like my mohawk, so what you know, so, so to, yeah, to you and Pat Cleary up in Canada, dogging my mohawk yesterday on Twitter. Who sucks now? Getting dates with this thing. Ugh. Chris, I I don't know what to say. I'm at a loss. I thought I'd reached a low point in my belief in the human race. I was wrong. It's today. Yeah, Bottoms you, up. Yeah, you go ahead and uh, chug that. I have been, um, by the way, my mom has been asking me about my dating life. And I'm like, if I need to tell you about somebody, I'll tell you. And she goes, well, you, I've heard you talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, but the result of me talking about my dating life results in Drew drinking a Seagram's. There's a benefit to this. That's why it gets talked about on the podcast. Oh, my God. Folks, I'm officially in hell. None of this makes any sense. The world the world, 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 the world, is upside down. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If it weren't for the subject matter of tonight's show, I'd actually believe that I've been sucked down into the seventh level of hell. But with that, Chris, we've got a lot to celebrate tonight. Let's just head right into this week's Bill's News Update. As I pour myself some whiskey, Chris, we've all heard the story, Horton Hears a Who. I've got a better one for you. Dawkins inks a deal. That's right, Chris. We're here to celebrate tonight Dion Dawkins. 
four, we've talked all offseason about what the future might hold for the left tackle of the Buffalo Bills. He signs a four-year extension to stick with the team throughout, uh, what, I think he kicks in at the end of this year? Yeah, he's still on his rookie deal for this year, and then it's going to kick in. Four years, $60 million. I didn't see how many of that was guaranteed. $30 million in total guaranteed. Now, we've talked ad nauseum on this podcast. I mean, Chris, there's so many ways to break this down. We're going to do it in a couple chapters, but for, cheers. Hey, look. Cheers. Celebration. Dawkins signed. McDermott signed. I got a date. <laughs> yeah, this week is coming up Chris Kruger all across the board. First of all, there's the financial angle of this signing. I mean, this is big for the Buffalo Bills for a few different reasons. First of all, we've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about how since 2017, offensive tackle spending has gone through the roof. In fact, it's increased 97%. By nature, the fact that both offensive tackle positions now get paid legitimate money. Yeah, I would put uh, the tackle position as the number two, left tackle number two, right tackle number three, as far as positions you have to pay. Quarterback, left tackle, right tackle. And then defensive end, fourth. Yeah, but that's not the way. Look at the Miles Garrett contract. I mean, they're making quarterback money now. Yeah. It's going to be, it, Chris, it's an arms race out there for who can throw the ball, who can keep the passer upright, and who can bring him down. And when you look back, Chris, last year in free agency, right tackles Juwan James and Trent Brown each scored contracts with Dawkins average annual value falling squarely in between them. But he's a starting left tackle. Juwan James and Trent Brown are both right tackles. If that doesn't tell you what the market rate for a starting left tackle is in the NFL, Chris, that's insanity, right? Yeah, it is. One of of the things, Chris, that I can't help but notice in the aftermath of this signing, because I celebrated it. My initial reaction was I was just really happy to have some clarity as far as what was going to happen for the long-term future of our left tackle position. Chris, it's been kind of hit or miss over the last however many years. I mean, we haven't had a steady left tackle since, what, Jason Peters forced his way out of town? Yeah, that sounds about right. We cheaped out, and we went with Demetrius Bell. Well, I was going to say, what was Mike Williams? Was he left or right? He was supposed to be a left tackle. (laughs) Supposed to be. Supposed to be. But think about it, Chris. Who was the last left tackle that brought any kind of stability to this team? Howard Ballard. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It's, It's been a long time coming that we finally had somebody to just be the guy. De facto, this is our starting left tackle, and I never have to worry about it when he's on the field. Yeah, that's a great feeling to have. And well, who else to thank but Doug Whaley? <laughs> now, from a financial perspective, sticking with this theme, it's been widely debated that he's the quote-unquote fifth highest paid left tackle. Now, this concept is being debated amongst Bills fans all over social media as to whether or not Dawkins is worth making top-of-your-position group type money. First of all, one, it's not your money. So all of you need to calm down and some of you just need to shut up. That's <laughs> Chris, are we allowed to say that? Yeah, we are. Okay. I just wanted to check because I caught some back I caught some static over me telling people, asking people who who they thought they were last week. I'll do it again. Yeah, you have every right. This Chris, is your a good time. This is your show. Second, I've always held the belief that if you're gonna blow something up or move on from something in pro sports, whether it's a scheme whether it's a specific player, whether it's a set of players, you better have a plan. I mean, 
Buffalo sports fans, look at the Buffalo Sabres. They're a perfect example of what happens when you blow things up and don't have a sound plan to rebuild them. And then you keep firing people who don't, and bringing in new people who don't have a sound rebuilding plan. Yeah, I think the last the last two general managers, I could argue, didn't get enough time as far as the draft. Because in the NHL, I always have this conversation with you when you watch the Sabres because... Because I just yell well, you're about not, why they're well, bad? You're not hockey guy. You're more... <laughs> You're more your football guy. Your wife's a, a hockey chick, but when it comes to the draft, it you're drafted at like 18, so you're not physically ready to play in the NHL the way you are when you're drafted in the NFL. And so players, I don't think in the NHL don't have enough time to be developed. That's fair from a physical standpoint. That's I'll give you that. But here's what I'll also say. The Bills already, I mean, if you're looking for a football cor- corollary, the Bills already found this out the hard way after trading Tyrod Taylor to Cleveland. With the belief that A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman were somehow going to, between the two of them, one of them would become a good enough bridge quarterback that Josh Allen could sit back and be groomed to someday start. How'd that work out? That's right, Chris. Buckus. That's about how that went. Well, it worked out for us because Paul Bonesky had to drink a Seagram. <laughs> if that's the silver line that came out of it out of it for you, then great. Wonderful. But ultimately, we learned there that when you don't have a solid plan in place and you burn down the thing you have, that gets dicey. It doesn't always end well. Also, this idea that he got paid too much. There's this idea that exists amongst fans that Deion Dawkins got paid too much money in this extension. It's a flawed debate because salaries are constantly a moving target. Chris, the Dallas Cowboys screwed up when they failed to lock down the wide receiver that they gave up a first-round draft pick for in Amari Cooper. Yep. And failed to lock up Dak Prescott, at quarterback, before other players at their respective positions reset the market by signing their deal. I think it was the Michael Thomas contract. The Saints beat the Cowboys to market, which reset the floor of what a number one wide receiver is worth in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know why you would not want to, you know, give a, a contract to Dak Prescott, quarterback, number one position you need to pay for. If you, well, I, and you can debate the reasons why they should or shouldn't, but the thing is, they said they wanted to but then dragged their feet so long that somebody else came and reset the bar for them. Pushed them into territories of spending that they just weren't comfortable with. So, Chris, would you have preferred the Bills do that? Play it cheap in an important position on the offensive line, only to wait and then get their fingers caught in the door when some other team... I mean, I'm picturing Ronnie Stanley and the Ravens. I mean, he's, he's going to be up for a new contract at the end of, the, end of this season. They go ahead and make that that even harder for us to retain Deion Dawkins by getting a massive deal done with Stanley first, and then reset the floor of what Dawkins' value might have previously been. Uh, yeah, I think with Dawkins, the way Bean has been playing it correctly with getting that deal done first, hopefully a Trey White is next, because I think that's next uh, as far as being most important. Well, they have a little more latitude with him, because they have more time. They have more mechanics built into the CBA at their disposal. There's the fifth-year option, which obviously they picked up. Yep. So they already know what his salary is going to be, and then they can use that as kind of a starting point 
a launch pad for conversations about a long-term contract extension. But in reality, we're looking at Deion Dawkins, who was going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. There is no fifth-round option for second-round draft picks. So with that said, you would have gone into this offseason with a lot of uncertainty at a position where salaries are skyrocketing, Chris. Like you said, they're one of the top four positions that you pay in football. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and then also you got a owner being is also taking into account the future of the salary cap with all this COVID stuff. And Absolutely. How that's going to fluctuate. Because he is a contractual gangster. Then you have to take a look at this signing from the statistical and the schematic impact. In order to try and understand this a little bit better, I talked to some people to get both sides of the pro and con argument when it came to Deion Dawkins. When I first reached out to just unabashed Dawkins critic Paul Winesky of Hashtag Sports, because of all the people that we routinely collaborate with, the guys that I talk sports with on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, he's one of the few who doesn't hide the fact that he's it's been up and down with Dawkins in his eyes. And he hasn't always been impressed with Dawkins as a franchise left tackle. Chris, I reached out to him on Facebook, and I'm going to read you what he had to say. I asked him, what don't you... He takes a bull rush really well. Communication with Spain got only got better throughout the year, but it was pretty bad at first. He's basically the Volkswagen Beatles of left tackle. Affordable, dependable, but will absolutely struggle in a drag race. He folds his angles when dealing with stunts. Love the hustle. A true whistle-to-whistle guy. Doesn't do a great job in space to help the run game pass the line of scrimmage. Now, Chris, some of those things may be very... First of all, I love the fact that he's the Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, what is he, Herbie fully loaded? (laughs) Chris, there's some validity to this. Specifically in terms of his athletic ceiling when it comes to getting up and sealing linebackers. You see him a lot, but, but you're a left tackle, Chris. I get it. The elite of the elite can do all kinds of great things. Like, they can block a, a premier pass rusher or a premier defensive end, shed that block, and then get up to the second level and take on a linebacker to help their running backs out. Yeah. If that's not Dawkins' game, is that his fault? Or is that just... You're looking at a bar that's so high, few people will ever meet the criteria. Probably it sounds like that way with Paul. And also, run blocking has been an area that he's been steadily improving in year over year. So it's not inconceivable that maybe by the time this extension kicks in, maybe as soon as this season, he proves that now that he's comfortable and he has communication down with his guard, which Paul even admitted got better as the season went on, Maybe he improves in that regard. Maybe he goes on to show that he has the athletic chops to go do some of those things, and by default, it helps our running game become that much more dynamic. And the struggling with stunts, Chris, just mechanically, and I know you may not get all of this, but if you have a poor left guard next to you, and you as a young football player are still improving in pass protection, it stands to reason that you would struggle in something that requires you and the lineman next to you to have this kind of unspoken idea as to how the other person is going to react to a, a quick change on what you're seeing in front of you, like a stunt. Yeah, I believe I brought that up last week with the winter signing, if that was a thing for bringing in a guard. Look at you. Okay, I'm... Look at you learning football, Chris. Raise it up. So, 
Here's what I, Chris, in 2018, Vlad, not in the NFL anymore, Dukas was the guy playing next to him. The human turnstile. Is it a shock that he took a step back that year? No, it is not a shock. I mean, if anything, that year probably did more to hurt Dawkins' development as a left tackle than anything else. But we're still here. He's not a perfect player, but who is at this point? There's very few left tackles in the NFL that are that are perfect from game one game to the next. Especially young left tackles. Especially young left tackles who weren't drafted in the first round. But it's really hard to ignore the positives. As outlined by the Scouting Academy's Brandon Thorne. Chris, he's on Twitter here. I have a screenshot of it in front of you. To quote him, Deion Dawkins is one of the biggest, strongest, most physical left tackles in the league. And when rushers long arm or lean into him, I think they expect him to just absorb an anchor. So he mixes in a nasty snatch and trap technique that had a lot of success in 2019. He's fun to watch. Now guys, go look at the tweet at Brandon Thorne NFL. That's T-H-O-R-N NFL on Twitter. He's also on Blue Wire. He's got that podcast, Trench Warfare. Yes! And we're going to be talking to him at some point soon about this. But ultimately, he's got a video collection up there, a short just set of clips of Deion Dawkins doing exactly that. Surprising defensive linemen with the fact that when they lean into him, he doesn't just eat it. He just grabs him, snatches him up, and shoves him to the ground. And Chris, it's surprising the number of premier defensive ends that he's doing it to. It really is. And then, as you heard in the intro of tonight's show, friend of the show and host of the Bootleg Football Podcast, Brett Coleman, he's also a huge fan of Deion Dawkins. He brought up many of the places that Dawkins has improved, or that he shines, that make him one of the keys to the way our offensive line operates. His efficiency in terms of pass protection. Chris, I didn't even know any of that until Brett talked about it on his podcast. I, mean, I think that's one of the things he... he Brett is a smart guy when it comes to football. Yeah, he's one of those uh, those smart people that, that quote unquote smart people that we bring on the show. So he, when he breaks down the numbers for these guys, and he essentially comes up to that when he has decent offensive guard play next to him. What was it last year? He gave up less than two pressures per game. Two yeah. pressures per game. That's way better than you and I with the eye test sitting in the seats. Could I ever give him credit for? Yeah, it's more than eye test. I mean, we're pretty drunk at that point. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Listen, <laughs> short of making children cry, I usually hold it together pretty well. And then one of the big things that he mentioned in that clip that we played for you guys is his durability. Now, Chris, we know how important that is, right? Especially to this franchise. Yes. One that's been plagued with injuries for years, and since McDermott showed up, he seemed to kind of whittle away at the injury-prone players to the point where our roster is pretty much comprised of durable physical specimens who, a lot of them, Chris, I mean, think about the, Mc, the McDermott and Brandon Bean mold seems to be. Give me a freak athlete with no long-term history of in, injuries, and I'll teach that guy how to be a football player. Yes, and not to mention that we have the Training facility, state of the art. We also have one of the best facilities in the entire NFL. Those two things combined have given way to these players being coached to play through physical ailments. 
And Dawkins is kind of an embodiment of this. I mean, on durability alone, he, that can't be ignored when it comes to him getting this contract. Chris, guess what I have for you? Oh, a <laughs> chart. <laughs> That's a chart. That is a chart. Why don't you tell the people what you're looking at? Uh, you have it headlined with offensive tackle health, and then you have a list of players, their uh, contract ranking, and then the last time that they had a full season. And the number of games they played in 2019. And Chris, when you talk about ranking, you're talking about average annual value of their contract. Yeah, it's the top 10, I see. You have the Deion top 10. Dawkins ranks 10th. With his contract, he ranks 10th among, amongst left tackles for average annual value of his contract. When you look at that list of names, Chris, you're talking about the, Ty- the Tyron Smiths, the Taylor Luans, the Jake Matthews. The Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsils. What's one thing that stands out to you from the chart in front of you? Folks, I'm going to tweet a picture of this out at Rockpile Report if you want to go see what Chris is saying. I'd say I see three players, Jake Matthews, Nate Solder, and Deion Dawkins having played every game last season. Okay. And then I see... Whose last full season were in 2019? Yeah, and then... They're also the three tackles. Now, Nate Solder doesn't qualify, but Dawkins and Matthews? Two of the most durable tackles in the NFL in the sense that they've missed very few games, almost none. Matthews has one miss, Dawkins has zero. Yeah, and then I see uh, Laramie Tunsil and then Armstead. They've never played a full season. Yet somehow they get paid. They are ranked 7th and 8th in left tackle play. Teron Armstead of the New Orleans Saints and Laramie Tunsil, now of what, the Houston Texans? Yes. They have never played a complete season over the course of their careers. And in 2019, they each one played 15, one played 14 games. When you get closer to the top of this chart, Chris, is where this becomes more, I guess, this is where you start to weigh things out. Tyron Smith. It's hard to argue he's not one of the game's better left tackles, right? He's been doing this thing forever. He's an old man. Yeah. His last full season was in 2015 before he signed his monster extension with the, with the Cowboys. In 2019, he only played 13 games. Taylor Lewan. Okay? His last full season was in 2017. I know, I know, he lost some games to suspension. But he hasn't been durable either, and he's the second highest paid left tackle in the NFL. In 2019, he only played 15 games. You have Jake Matthews. The fourth place, Chris. Lane Johnson, over there at the Eagles. 2015 was the last time he played a full season, and he only played 12 games in 2019. But they're going to roll out there into the 2020 season with him as their starting option. With no, what, Jason Peters is your backup option? Uh, I do remember you saying a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was when we had Clayton on, that you would expect with our logjam on the offensive line that the Eagles could be a trade partner come the end of training camp. So now they've got no real offensive line depth and an injury-prone left tackle. And then, Chris... That's where it becomes more damning when you look at the Tunsils and the Armsteads of the world. These are guys making the seventh most and eighth most money for average annual value at the in terms of their contract, and they've never been healthy. Chris, what's the value of a guy who will show up every single week and play left tackle for you? Who will play through some nagging injuries? Who's capable of still producing when he's nicked up? 
Yeah, it would be uh, Deion Dawkins would show up. Thank you. That alone adds some weight, and I think adds some, I don't know, this makes me feel better about the contract extension, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. it do that for you? Yeah, I like It's nice to know that you have a cornerstone left tackle locked up for the next, what, four years? Who's durable and yep. has proven that he'll be there most Sundays. And then, he's also the owner, Chris, of one of my favorite statistics ever. He's the sixth, he's sixth most in touchdowns for an offensive lineman since 1970 with two. He's got to be right up there with Jumbo Elliott. <laughs> Folks, sound an alarm. Jumbo Elliott just got mentioned on a Bills podcast. Chris, as an homage to the now defunct Golik and Wingo show. That show on, sucked. That show was the only thing that, Chris, I can't listen to WGI. I can't. Why don't you just listen to your own podcast? The narcissism. The narcissism. Listen, I'm a narcissist, but I can't. I can't listen to myself. <laughs> the now defunct Golik and Wingo show. They used to refer and only refer, anytime his name came up, the Chiefs quarterback. They would refer to him only as Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes. And if you didn't say it, they would correct you. I want it to be known that henceforth, Deion Dawkins will be known as Red Zone Weapon Deion Dawkins. I can get behind that. You saw him in those the videos of the Florida training camp that he went down there for? Yeah. With all the offensive skill players. He was beating some of our cornerbacks. Yeah, on routes. He, he didn't look too bad on running routes. So, God. Red Zone Weapon Deion Dawkins, now and forever. And then there's the philosophical impact. And then, Chris, it's here. And it goes above and beyond the X's and O's. And it's one that I think is most felt by us as fans. And I think it's probably felt most by the guys in the locker room. Yes, Dawkins is a talent and plays a position of need. But this extension also sends a message to his fellow players. That these things that McDermott talks about, the process, it's not just lip service. And as far as fans, guys like myself are concerned. It's just one more thing to add to the list of, I want to call them firsts, that we've been talking about since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott arrived here in Buffalo. Chris, last week we talked about what a breath of fresh air it was that a notable, desirable free agent who hit the market and had a multitude of options opted to sign here in Buffalo for fair market value when we were talking about Josh Norman. I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. The extension of Deion Dawkins feels like something new to add to that list. Here's what Deion himself had to say in an open letter to fans in the Players' Tribune entitled A Letter to Bill's Mafia. Specifically when it came to the subject that so many of his fellow players, much like himself, we're having kids between the last year and the end of the season. He says, I think it's a sign. I think it's a sign of what this group is about when it comes to this thing of ours that we're all building here together as Buffalo Bill. I think it's like we're all putting down roots. We are putting down some, we are putting some roots down. You know what I'm saying? We're putting down roots in this city. We're putting down a spiritual foundation. We're planting a flag. We're saying, yeah, man, we get it. This is a business, okay? But that doesn't mean we aren't a family. And that doesn't have to mean we can't build this thing as families do. So I guess that's where I come down on all of this. 
It's like, yeah, on one hand, are we destined to keep this core intact and turn it into a superpower? Start the NFL's next big dynasty or what have you? Nah, man. No one is. Things come together, things fall apart. It's impossible to know the future. But just because you can't know, that doesn't mean you can't have a feeling. Right? And it's hard not to feel like we might have something special going on up here in Buffalo. It's hard not to feel like we're building something that might actually last. It's hard not to feel like after all these years, we might finally have a Bills team that's going to keep on getting better and better and better until it does something great. Or even super. With the S capitalized, Chris. That is of the Players' Tribune, a letter to Bills Mafia. I'll throw a link in the description if you want to read it in its entirety, because Chris, that's one of those things I had to... I had to read kind of alone. Yeah. I had to go out to the garage and read that one, I light can, a candle. I can, I can see you reading that and then running through a wall. Uh, Chris, that was written in the aftermath of the Bill lost to the Houston Texans. Before Dawkins knew we were going to trade for Stephon Diggs. Before he knew that we were going to invest so much money into our defense to try to bolster our pass rush, try to make that, give that unit teeth. Certainly before he knew this team was going to pony up the money and keep him here long-term in the 716. Chris, this guy is here and he clearly wants to be here. Can we all just bask in that thought for a minute? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I like about this, it's just the overall development of a, we drafted this guy, we developed him, we're retaining him. Chris, that right there. Let that breathe, please. In fact, let's go get some velvet smoking jackets. <laughs> yeah, I've got some. I've got some buffalo trace here. We'll get some top shelf bourbon. We'll pour it on the rocks and we'll sit by a roaring fire and just bask in the glow of this concept that a contingent of young ascending NFL talents genuinely wants to spend their time here in a city where it snows, where you don't have the glitz and the glamour of places like New York City or Miami. You don't have the celebrity that you would get in other areas of the country. And yet, instead, they seem to represent the core values that each of these hand-picked and groomed talents that are fueling the Bills' resurgence seem to share. Hard work, toughness, and just a sense of humble pride. Maybe I'm making too much of this. But Chris, it feels pretty damn good to sit here and philosophize about all of it. And no one is going to take that away from me. No, because he wasn't the only one to get friggin' extended. I mean, Chris, it's funny. It's funny when you think about it in those terms. Deion Dawkins represents one of the longest tenured members of Sean McDermott's draft classes. Taken in the second round of the 2017 NFL draft when Doug Whaley was still here, and they traded up to get him. Think about that. Doug Whaley. His last trade-up got him killed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Nick Woten of uh, the Billswire that tweeted out the that trade and what came with the picks that were sent the other way. And I think only one person is in the NFL. We've clearly won that trade. That coincided with Sean McDermott being in the building. He and Dawkins have been here together ever since then. And both of them have become cornerstones of the process. When you think about the development and the growth that phrase is supposed to underscore. And so, I, Chris, I think it's really fitting that Dawkins this week got noticed that he's not the only one who's going to be cashing checks for one Bill's drive for a long time. 
Because Sean McDermott was also last week announced as having signed a six-year extension with the football team. I feel like that deserves a whole lot of claps. Am I right? The man whose hands never get tired is going to be applauding his way up and down the sidelines throughout, all the way through 2025 as he becomes just the second Bills head coach to receive a contract extension since Marv Levy hung it up back in 97. I know, the great Dick Geron. <laughs> Chris, buckle up. Those of you listening, crack a fresh beer because we have a whopper of a conversation here. I mean, with that in mind... This is a momentous occasion as fans, Chris. Since 97, we haven't had a coach, besides Dick Geron, who got fired, what, seven games? Seven or eight games into his contract extension year for Perry Fuel. (sighs) This is huge. Because it underscores that we are a franchise on the rise. And I think it's only fair that we unpack all of this in long form because I've got a lot of thoughts on the matter. Now, first of all, Chris, I'm going to top off my... Uh, you want a taste before I finish this bottle? No, you know what? I'll, I'll pour myself a glass of that Maker's Mark 46 that you got me for my birthday a few weeks ago. Because, folks, take a note. That's what friends do. You get your friend's bourbon. It has to come in a... Bourbon, not vodka, because vodka is for rich white women on diets. Yep. Okay. You get him bourbon. You make sure it's good bourbon, and it come. If it doesn't come in a glass bottle, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, but you're, for when it's your birthday comes up, because I know that you you're to be a creature of habit. I just get you some like different expensive bourbon that I know that you haven't had or didn't even know that existed. I like that though. You always keep me on my toes, Chris. People joke. People people are going to take that and run with it because they already joke that we're an old married couple. So with that in mind, Chris, I urge you to go grab your glass. And folks, let me set a scene for you while Chris does that. The year is 2016. The Bills, fresh off another disappointing, non-winning season, were head coachless as Rex Ryan and his Santa Claus-looking brother bloviate their way out of town on that stupid yellow tandem bike from that Topps commercial that I will never forgive them for. The soon-to-be-fired Doug Whaley helped the Pagoulas sort through the list of names, many of which I still remember. Kyle Shanahan was being touted as an up-and-coming offensive mind. And Frank Reich's name was getting thrown around because he was a former Bills quarterback. And those names were popular among fans for obvious reasons. Todd Haley was being thrown around as a guy who deserved a second chance. Anybody who watched Hard Knocks, what, two years ago, probably feels better knowing we dodged that bullet. Something named Jim Bob Cooter, which sounds more like the guy serving barbecue on the side of US 83 than somebody who should be trusted running an NFL football team, was all the rage. Everybody was pulling, Chris, Twitter, wanted them some Jim Bob Cooter. And I was like, what are they talking about? What, what, is, this a, is this a character yeah. from King of the Hill? Yeah. Former Lions offensive coordinator. That's just a great name, Jim Bob Cooter. I, I just, like I said, that guy should be scraping roadkill off a highway somewhere. That's it. Or that's the the name of, like, somebody on the low end of the coaching staff at <laughs> Alabama that just never leaves. He's been there since the 70s. 
On January 1st, 2017, Ian Rappaport tweeted that the job was former Bills offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn's to lose. And yet on January 11th, when all was said and done, they landed on Sean McDermott as the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Chris, there's a glass. Now, not everybody was a fan. Most notably in mind, local reporter Jerry Sullivan. Well, I'm not like fans. I walk in here and one of the fans said, Jigster, I kind of like the guy. I mean, you don't even know him. And, oh, I kind of like the guy. Sorry, I'm the, I I'm, like him, I'm the universal. And you like do him. too. Like, I'm a universal like skeptic. I'll give you a quick quick synopsis. 2001, my first year as the Bills' full-time columnist, replacing the great Larry Felser. A 42-year-old defensive coordinator, rising guy with a good resume, had just lost the Super Bowl, comes in. Guns blazing. Everyone likes him. His name was Greg Williams. Mm -hmm. All right? So I feel like I've come full circle on this. And, you know, I don't really care about his defensive statistics, and they're already being spun more positively than they should be. It's just another Bills coaching hiring that is very uninspiring. And the bigger picture is he's walking into a bad situation with a weak general manager and a bad salary cap situation, much like Greg Williams walked into and went 3-13 and because Don O had... As he would tell you, he was left with a pile of, of you know, big contracts by John, the late John Butler, and that would be the situation if they had done the right thing and hired another general manager instead of Doug Whaley, because he's putting McDermott's walking into a difficult situation. That was Jeremy uh, Jerry Sullivan from when we hired McDermott. I think he was doing a the round Bills beat yeah. podcast with round Matthew table. Fairburn and Joe Biscalia. It was like a round table thing. I will never forget that. I will never forget that. I talk every week on this podcast about things that are seared into my brain because I'm a petty man. I'm a petty man, Chris. I don't forgive. <laughs> I just, everyone says, oh, you forgive, but you never forget. I'd never forget, and I don't forgive, usually. Yeah, we played that clip a couple of times on the show. And every time I feel my chest get a little bit tight, and I feel my hands clench, and I just want to yell... But I remember back with the day that I heard that. Okay? I'd like to point out that we already knew something like that was coming because during McDermott's introductory presser, all Jerry Sullivan could do was lob questions at him about the, the failures of Rex Ryan and other head coaches who have come and gone. Which, Chris, you heard it in that clip. It's the backbone of his entire argument. Something that McDermott, in what we didn't realize was going to become his trademark vanilla, unemotional, <laughs> this nature to coach speak, literally just floated above it all and just rode the Jerry Sullivan wave. Just gave him every ounce of coach speak he had in his body. It was glorious. He pulled, he pulled a Muhammad Ali. As Jerry Sullivan kept lobbing these stupid questions at him, he just laid back on the ropes and let Jerry punch himself out and then moved on to another question. Yeah, it's, a, it's fantastic to, to listen to that. At least if you go back to McDermott's introductory press conference and you hear, you hear, uh, Jerry Sullivan just trying to get Rex Ryan style answers out of Sean McDermott and he's just having none of it. He wouldn't. He just wouldn't engage him. He thought that, Jerry Sullivan thought that McDermott visiting with former Bill's greats was campy rather than genuine. And a part of me understands why he would feel that way considering the way Rex Ryan's whole career, looking back at it today, feels like one giant PR stunt. And I still remember being furious, Chris. 
I wanted to find... Chris, I think I, I think I said I was going to mail... On this podcast, I said I was going to mail Jerry Sullivan $150 to pay for the dry cleaning for when I got him outside of the Buffalo News and just egged him. I, I remember saying something to that effect. But looking back at it, Chris, now, in hindsight, Jerry Sullivan no longer works in sports news. And it makes me realize that because I'm a fan instead of a journalist... And because I'm not dependent on this, and I can do this from a fan's perspective, I'm not obligated to cover the team. I do it out of passion. I have the ability to go into these things somehow less jaded, if that makes any sense to you. It doesn't. You're very jaded. I am. And yet, you still want to be an optimist when it comes to things, things happening to your football team, right? Yeah. Chris, what are your thoughts now looking back at those statements, knowing what we know has transpired? I mean, it's, it starts with what you have right here on your, on your sheet. The overblown, overblown accomplishment. Oh, his, they're, his, they're being spun more positive than they should be. His defensive accomplishments are being spun more positive than they should be. Here's a tweet from James Palmer TV on Reddit. Or not on Reddit, Jesus Christ, Twitter. It works for the NFL Network. The Bills' defense since Sean McDermott took over. Since 2017, points per game allowed, 10th in the NFL. Total yards per game allowed, 5th in the NFL. Passing yards per game allowed, 2nd in the NFL. Opponent third down percentage, 10th in the NFL. Opponent passer rating, 3rd in the NFL. Chris, Tom Brady is in this division. And our since Sean McDermott showed up, our defenses have been third in the NFL at holding the opponent opposing uh, quarterback down. Now I reached out to Jerry this past week multiple times to see if we could get his take on the extension, given that that's how he viewed the hire. I even offered to allow him to, I even offered to give him final edit. The radio silence I received says pretty much all anybody needs to know about the way he feels about this today. Chris, is that fair to say? Yeah. But what McDermott has accomplished here transcends just statistics. He was the third Bills head coach ever to lead the team to the playoffs in their first season. A season where his roster was undermanned and by all accounts not good enough to win six games, much less nine. Yeah, we traded away Darius, we traded away Watkins. He was getting rid of all of the cancers. In his second season, we watched a team that was set up to fail due to a lack of talent as a team that was cultivating... dead space. They were cultivating cap space for a true rebuild. But we watched that 2018 football team illustrate what the process was all about. I mean, think about it. The Jacksonville game. A fight breaks out. When Leonard, Leonard Fournette leaves the bench to initiate a confrontation, it results in ejections from both teams. And in response, Buffalo spends the rest of the fourth quarter handing the whole Jacksonville roster their asses. Yeah, it was an excellent fight. You should, Started, have, been, you should have been there for it. Yeah, I was in the bathroom. The same, way I was in the, the same way I was getting a beer during the Robert Foster touchdown. I missed everything about that game. I had to rewatch it on TV. But Chris, it started with that goal line stand. That was the moment where a light switch just flipped. And you saw this football team say, hey, guys, you're on the three. I'll see you in hell. And from that point forward, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars might have just, they might as well have just gone back to the bus then. 
And then the Miami game. Another fight broke out where the team took exception to a cheap shot on Josh Allen by former Bill and official wearer of women's jerseys, Kiko Alonso. The resulting two and a half quarters of football were just a bloodbath for Miami. We outscored them 28-3. to Chris, that team never tried to take its foot off the gas pedal. We were in... As soon as they put a, a, a cheap lick on Josh Allen, we throttled them. Yeah. Both sides of the ball. And then you talk about the quote afterward. I go back, Chris, to that Jacksonville game. The press conference afterwards. McDermott comes to the podium. There's still a little bit of blood on his jersey. from. Oh, yeah. Back. I remember that. He, was, he had blood, blood on his shirt. And this is what he says. I was glad the players supported each other. I never want to see a fight break out like that, and I don't think it's good for the game. But when people step up and challenge us, I don't expect our people to back down. Now, Chris, again, we talk about things that I commit to memory. He, He delivered those lines in his typical, damn near monotone style. But there was a Clint Eastwood look on that guy's face that, go back and watch it. I urge all of you to go back and watch that press conference over at buffalobills.com and tell me that that, oh, Chris, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Like Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino? Yeah, because guess what? He knew that, hey, my team, my team's tough enough. You you challenge us, we'll take you to the mat. That's what's going to happen. And then this past season, he brought the Bills all the way back to relevance, posting our first W on Thanksgiving, our first win in Pittsburgh since 1975, and our first win on Sunday Night Football ever. En route to a 10-win season, which was our first since 1999. Chris, this mantra of trust the process, it seemed hokey at first, right? Yeah. It's been embraced not just by us as a fan base, but isn't it clear that it's been, it's, he has buy-in from the guys who have to strap it up every single Sunday. Yeah, and then if you were, you know, around at the beginning of McDermott, if you did not buy into this process, you were gone. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. 
A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion, or massage oil to recover. Body bomb for targeting relief and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash blue wire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Chris, that would be a nice place to leave this conversation most weeks, but no, 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 no. I want to, like I said, we're going to, smoking jackets and all, open, Chris, just envision it. You and me sipping cognac by a fire, we both got glasses of whiskey. Chris, we're going we're gonna to wax poetic on this. McDermott's value, head coaching trends, and kind of how McDermott defies them, I think I think they all play a role in what makes this so special. So the other day, um, news of the McDermott high extension comes out. And Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation Radio tweets out his, his short list of the top head coaches in football. And he tears them. Right? He, he quote tweets, Bills give head coach Sean McDermott a six-year extension. Where do you rank McDermott above the NFL head coaches? Starts it with Bilicek, which I think is where you have to start. Correct. Goes on to say, tier two, Harbaugh and Reed. I think that's fair. Yep. I think they've earned that. Tier three, Peyton. Shanahan, Carroll. Again, all of those guys have been to Super Bowls. Peterson, Tomlin, McVay, and McDermott make up Tier 4. He has McDermott at the bottom of the list. That's the first takeaway I see from looking at this list. All of those head coaches, with the exception of Sean McDermott, have been in a Super Bowl. Correct. Chris fist pound for even knowing raise a glass for even knowing that see Chris week by week I'm watching your football knowledge grow Chris this is how a father must feel when he watches a kid with no training wheels ride a bike yeah, well I mean let's remind everyone that you have nothing to do with this because you don't have patience <laughs> that got a friend of a friend of mine and I talking at work about this concept if you were starting an NFL football team from scratch in terms of a head coach how many head coaches, knowing what we've seen over the last three years from Sean McDermott, would fall ahead of him on your short list? Chris, when you look at that list, do you think that that Ben Solak's kind of assessment of this is correct? Yeah, I like I like Solak's list, but you know, like same thing with the Rams hiring McVay as we did with McDermott. I mean, they had never been head coaches. 
So you, it's like you don't know what, what you're getting. There's no track record that's head coaches. Well, and that's what stands out to me about this recent hiring trend. And one of the reasons I would argue that Sean McDermott might be one of the most successful coaching hires of the last five or six years. Chris, one of the things that stands out to me as unique about McDermott as a head coach is that it flew in the face of the trend of the time. And trends are something, and a trend that went on for a season or two. I mean, Chris, the NFL, in a large part, is a giant exercise in keeping up with the Joneses. Think about it. The Wildcat offense. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins rolled it out there. No one, ever, Brown. no one had ever seen it. it. It dominated its way to a playoff berth. And then every team had a Wildcat package. For what? Three years? Yeah. Until they found out that most teams can't make it work. Yeah. Most teams can't make the Wildcat work. How about this, Chris? Gronk-esque tight ends. Ever since Gronk hit the NFL and started revolutionizing the tight end position, there is still the team. The Detroit Lions are three-time losers of this philosophy that will line up and spend high draft picks, first-round draft picks on tight ends because they hope to kind of harness what that what the Patriots found in the second round. And I would say, you would agree with me, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, best tight ends in football right now? Yes. A fifth-round pick and a third-round pick. Exactly. That's my point. Andrews, the tight end from Baltimore, second-round draft pick. Yeah. Hayden Hurst, first-round draft pick, a tight end by the Baltimore Ravens, traded off the roster. And yet every year... Undoubtedly, some team idiotically steps up to the plate and takes a first-round tight end. Thank you, Detroit. Yeah, thank you, Chief. <laughs> Chris, do you remember me? Someone said that during that pick, you you have a gif of it. I do have a gif of you. Of uh, me sweating out the TJ Hawkinson pick. You totally thought that Detroit was going to take out Oliver. Because that was a smart pick. Yeah. And someone said I looked like a concerned orangutan. A hundred percent. The NFL is a giant exercise in trying to copy what you've seen work somewhere else. So at the time when McDermott was up for hire, the trend of young offensive gurus had already started, with San Francisco and L.A. hiring Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. So with that in mind, it's easy to see why outlets like FoxSports.com rank McDermott's hire well behind those two. They ranked him even behind the Chargers hiring former Bills offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn. Which, Chris, I said it before, everyone thought it was Anthony Lynn's job to lose. Yeah. Sean McDermott came in and was so impressive, he blew Lynn out of the water. Yeah. Lynn still got hired because he's an impressive candidate. He just wasn't, he wasn't Sean McDermott. And I think, Chris, the results speak for themselves. Yes, and then these other list of coaches that you have here, I think all oh. they all spawn off of Kyle Shanahan and and Sean McVay. Because well, that's exactly it. I mean, Chris, each of those two have been to. And I want to note they've been to and lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're but, both young offensive minds. But what they did was they kicked off a wave of unproven offensive minds getting hired, and it's yielded questionable results. I mean, Chris, let's run it back. Freddie Kitchens. I mean, well, he did go to Cleveland. Ah! He did go to Cleveland, where they... NFL.com gave his hire their top rank of everybody hired in 2019. 
that tells you right there everything you need to know about both the Browns and mainstream, mainstream prognostication based on such a small body of work. Nat Nagy, he went from darling of the NFL when they made the playoffs to in the doghouse when his quarterback tanked on him last year. And his quote-unquote great offensive mind had no answer whatsoever. Nat LaFleur, arguably the most NFL accomplished of the group, but he inherited a Hall of Fame quarterback, a dynamic running back in Adam Jones, a veteran offensive line, and an opportunistic defense with a good defensive coordinator. I mean, Mike Patton, formerly of the Buffalo Bills. I would also throw in there former head coach. Yes, former head coach. He had a staff that had tenure. He had a roster that had talent. Chris, the Green Bay Packers were probably any coach's wet dream to inherit. Yeah, and then they flushed it down the toilet in April. And well, and here's the thing. The best part is they were great all season long right up until they ran headfirst into the 49ers defense that ate them alive. Yeah. Ran the ball down their throats. They cratered in embarrassing fashion. And the only redeeming thing about that game for Matt LaFleur is that Rob Lowe got shown on TV, national TV, wearing a generic NFL hat. Chris, how embarrassing is that? Literally, seconds before Fox airs a promo for his new TV show, they run into the stands and stuff an NFL hat. No team, just the NFL shield on it. Like, his character Chris Traeger from Parks, Parks and, Rec. and Rec. I vaguely it's remember like he's that. going, go teams. Go teams. I'm just here and I'm happy for football. <laughs> it was the only redeeming thing about that game for me. Hilarious. So, Adam Gase. <laughs> Chris, is there a more embarrassing failure than Gase's 2019 season on this list? That was bad. Is he already in, like, co-tight conversation? He should be. <laughs> As Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report told us, Gase pretty much widely accepted as a great assistant. Maybe he's just one of those guys who's not meant to be a head coach. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a Wade Phillips on the defensive side of the ball. Think about it. One of the better defensive coordinators to ever play the game. Yeah, which yeah. is, which is, I think, one of the reasons why Sean McVay hired him to be his defensive coordinator to start because of his head coaching experience to help him along the way. Now, here's a question. Do Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor get passes? From yes. being young offensive minds. Because, the Chris, they yes. both got hired this last season to impossible situations. Yeah. Well, Kingsbury got his quarterback last year. Zach Taylor just got his quarterback in April. So we'll have to see how that pans out. I don't know how, I don't know how well Zach Taylor is going to do with Joe Burrow having just got him on the field this week. Yeah. Not great. Not great, Bob. Not great. Meanwhile... Last season, we watched McVay. You can't... Chris, he doesn't get a pass. No. Okay. We watched him last season stumble. Without a star running back to carry the load and kind of key his passing game, his offense as a whole struggled, and they missed the postseason despite having a roster that... Chris, their GM has been trading away draft picks 
to a point where I don't think they have a first round draft pick for the next ten years. It's got to be something like that. Plus, you and I are going to be forty five before they ever draft somebody in the first round. Plus, I think I think the Rams. I mean, you you'll know more about this than than I do, but if I'm not mistaken. They're in kind of cap hell coming into this season. Oh, of course they are, because that's what happens when you keep trading for guys who are going to be due contracts. Chris, ultimately the draft is your opportunity to get young, cheap talent. The Bills have thrived on that, which is why we had to... Look Look at the Bill is going to come due here, and we're going to find out how good Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott really are. Yeah. But... You're watching these guys all struggle and stumble. And Chris, meanwhile, while perhaps not the whiteboard warrior that the McVeighs of the world are, Sean McDermott has year over year illustrated traits that to me are far more valuable in terms of running a successful football team. 2017. First of all, he holds the attention, the focus, and the poise of an under-talented roster. Chris, you talked about the fact that they would just trade it away the cancers of the team. Yeah. The Ron Darby's. The Darius. Sam, Darius Watkins. Sammy Watkins. They got rid of everybody who they thought wasn't bought in. And everyone goes, well, the Bills are tanking. Yeah. Yeah? He held the attention of a football team that got uh, traded away some of its best players. He managed to squeeze production, at least from a defensive standpoint, out of what might have been one of the most under-talented rosters in the NFL from top to bottom. He found ways to overcome adversity in terms of, Chris, the most lopsided stretch of consecutive losses the Bills have had in years. Do you remember those Do you remember those three losses? Yeah, that's where that uh, guy ran naked across the field for the Saints. Yes! <laughs> Chris, during that stretch of games, losses to the Saints... Losses to the Chargers, and I, we lost to someone else, the Jets, the week before that. The Bills were outscored 135-55 to 55 and let up 212 yards per game rushing. Those are almost tops in Bills history. And yet he somehow righted the ship and made the playoffs. In the game that snapped the losing streak. This is one of the things that I find most important, Chris. Sean McDermott brought the team back from something that probably would have fractured a lot of other NFL locker rooms. The Nathan Peterman game. You benched your starting quarterback for a backup. And he threw five interceptions. And then Tyrod Taylor gets put in in the, what, the third quarter? Maybe even the second I was too drunk by that point. Chris, I'll admit it. I was abusing the hell out of my liver. I don't remember. Here's what I know. I know that I walked out of that game demoralized as a fan. I said, there's no way that this team is in shambles. It's lost. This head coach is in over his head. He's making idiotic decisions. That is a choice. Chris, tell me, in your opinion, if you had a job to do, and your boss promoted someone who was unfit for a job and it crushed all of you, would you hate your boss? Probably. You'd hold it against him. Yeah. And yet somehow, coming out of that game, going into Kansas City on the road, Sean McDermott found a way to rally the troops and say, look, I'm sorry. 
He said it. He said it publicly. I apologize to the team. I, I own my mistake, and I'll make up for it. And that's all he said, Chris. He didn't owe the media anything. He didn't owe us as fans anything. But behind closed doors, you and me have it on good authority that he was very apologetic, and he owned his mistake. And that was the thing that brought that team together to go on the road, steal a game from Kansas City, and go on a run. Key a run that left you week 17 still in playoff contention. Yeah, needing help. Fast forward to 2018. Because you think that's enough. Like, hey, Chris, you think that's enough to hey, say, hey, that's a good head coach. 2018. He benches Leslie Frazier, his defensive coordinator, in the second half of our home opener to the Chargers. Something that would gen- generally would signal a change at the position. Or at, at a minimum, which one of my friends at work brought, he brought this up, at the end of the season, it would result in a mutual parting of ways. Right? Yeah, like Rex Ryan and... Yeah, a mutual <laughs> parting of ways. Because you guys didn't see eye-to-eye on how the position group should get run. That should have been a thing that in the middle of your home opener, you benched your coordinator. And instead of fracturing a relationship, honestly, because think about it, it's underscoring that the head coach, a former defensive coordinator himself, believes he can do the job better than you. Yeah. And yet somehow, Sean McDermott found a way to smooth that over. They've gone on to flourish together, in large part because McDermott was able to turn that into a teaching and bonding moment. And their camaraderie is still, like, it's visible on the sideline. It's visible when you see them together. They were unit. Even though he did something that other people would have taken as a public embarrassment, McDermott found a way quietly. He didn't do it publicly. He didn't say anything to the media. He went to the man and made it right. Somehow, some way. Snake charmer. It's like they, like, if you think about it, the that Frazier and McDermott thing in the Charger game where he technically gets benched. It's almost like like a guy dating a girl and then, like, their first fight. Well, we'll just let's just break up. It's <laughs> like that was, like, their first argument or disagreement they had about how that defense is supposed to run that game and then they just fix it and they become better from it. Something you, as a person who dates a lot, has a lot of experience with. Exactly. <laughs> and then in 2019, Brian Dable, Brian Dable gets sent to the booth after a number of weeks where the offense struggled. It was after the Cleveland game, Chris. Again, you're talking about a gamble because, Chris, your offensive coordinator has gone on at the end of the 2018 season to talk about how being on the sideline made him feel like he was more in control of the offense. And then all of a sudden, an executive decision gets made and he's back in the booth. And Bills fans joked about it. How he got, well, he got sent to the corner. (laughs) You're in timeout. You're upstairs. Well, I'll tell you this. Chris, the relationship has never wavered, and in fact, he got better. Our offense improved when Brian Dable wasn't on the sideline. Would you argue that maybe that's something Sean McDermott brought to Brian Dable's doorstep and said, look? Yeah, I'd like to know the, the, the history on that with Brian Dable. Like, how often 
with previous offensive coordinating jobs that he's had in the NFL, you know, when he had Brady Quinn twice. How <laughs> the, often, the illustrious Brady Quinn. Yeah, how often Jesus. how often on those jobs was he on the field or in the booth? It would be interesting to go back and look at that. But ultimately, what they did worked. And again, you see the relationship that coach and coordinator have. It works. McDermott has a way of correcting without offending, if that makes sense. Yeah. I have a boss. My boss, he does this thing. Loves me, loves the show. No, but well, he, he likes you. Yeah. Although he sat with you at my wedding and he said you made an ass out of yourself over a salmon. Yeah. <laughs> Don't f- screw around with me and salmon. Jesus. But here's what I'll say. The thing I respect about him is that when I, when I fuck up, he comes to me, but he doesn't put it in terms of, you did this wrong and you're in the doghouse. He makes it a teaching thing. And it's the reason I respect, it's one of the reasons I respect him. And McDermott seems to have that with his staff in a way that a lot of people don't. And then you think about his effect on the football players this year in 20, this past year in 2019. Chris, he helped a young football team deal with the pressures of nationally televised road games. Not just deal with them, like in quotes, deal. It's not even the right word. He got his teams psyched to go out into another team's building on TV in front of the whole country and kick them in the teeth. Even in high-pressure moments like they ran into, think about Sunday night, Sunday night football at Heinz Field. Renegades playing. This is their, this is the Steelers' time. If they were ever going to stand up and turn the tide in this game, they've got the crowd on their back. They've got everything going in their favor. They've got Josh Allen on a third and long. They come out of the TV timeout. Renegade plays. Josh Allen drops a fucking dime on him. Dime! And then just kind of finger guns. <laughs> finger gun. Cool hand Luke. Finger guns over to the sidelines. And they just go about their business. And they go on to win that football game, Chris. Two plays later, they're in the end zone. And that's all Great she Great game. They were unflappable in that moment. Why? Because Sean McDermott. For my money, Chris, he did something even bigger than that. Last year, for the first time in a decade, maybe even longer, he made us forget about the term Billsy. Do you remember how you used to look at it and go, wow, that's a Billsy thing to happen? Yeah, a couple of times a season. Yeah. That's a Billsy thing. Oh, that's a Billsy loss. That's how the Bills would lose. The Bills would give Tom Brady two minutes to march down the field and win a game. He put that to rest for a while. Something that I can't thank him enough for. The uh, I would think if you look back at last year's schedule and the results that we, even our losses, I think the only time we got air quotes here, blown out was that Eagles game. I think we were legitimately in every... We were in it. We were in every game that we played except that Eagles game. For my money, I don't need my head coach to be the smartest guy in the room. Because Mm -hmm. it's not his job. His job is to be a leader. I want my head coach to be the guy who leads. He sets the tone and manages the personalities. Not just for his players, but for his staff. And who's... 
a guy who surrounds himself with smart, capable people who he can work with in tandem rather than people who work for him. You'd have a hard time arguing with me, Chris, that the results of that, when executed appropriately in places like New England, Kansas City, Tennessee, tell me that recently those haven't been the success stories in the NFL. Yeah, especially with Tennessee last year. Okay. And I think that McDermott embodies that. So what now? The question is, where do we go from here? McDermott's here for the long term. And right now in the immediate future, we're launching headfirst into one of the most uncertain times, not just for the NFL, but for the entire country. And yet, in a way that's becoming oddly commonplace, McDermott already seems to be ahead of the curve in preparing his staff and his team with a new catchphrase. Find a way. And unlike a Rex Ryan, who would pound the podium, he'd eat a dog biscuit and tell you about, oh, how great his plan is. My, my plan's going to be great. Let me just show you. We're watching this Bills team actually go out and attempt to do it. I mean, Chris, the players have been vocal about McDermott's involvement in their off-season meetings, even down to individual position groups. He was quoted by the Democrat and Chronicle out of Rochester's Sal Mariana as saying, we feel like the teams that come out of this the most prepared, the most unified, would potentially have created a competitive advantage. And he praised his players and staff for hitting the ground running in a way that makes him feel confident that we will be one of those football teams. It's kind of the same way in which, think about this, McDermott met with Bill's legends to pick their brain. When he first got here, when he first got the hire, the very first thing he did was he assembled guys like Steve Tasker, Bruce Smith, Jim Kelly, Thurman, Chris, the core of those standout Buffalo Bills teams. Yeah. And brought a notebook and just picked their brain about what made your team special. What is it? How, how did you foster the eventual brotherhood here that propelled you guys to your best seasons? He took all of that because he was interested, Chris. He wanted to know. So through that lens, McDermott and the Bills staff recently had a meeting with the legendary coach Joe Gibbs. It's significant because Joe Gibbs coached through two of the most chaotic seasons in NFL history. Both of them related to work stoppages and strikes by the players. The staff got a chance to pick his brain about the finer points of organizing a football team under duress. And what of that translates to today's NFL? Now, Chris, even some of our most likable coaches over the years have fallen prey to simply not knowing enough. Chan Gailey. Think about Chan Gailey's career here. Ryan Fitzpatrick got a contract because he played well at quarterback. Yeah. Chan Gailey knew how to call an offense with very little talent around him. Yeah. But the one thing he could never do was find a competent defensive coordinator. Our defenses during that time were the worst. Yeah. Well, what was our? I don't. Need, I can't even remember our defensive talent that we had. We had outside of Kyle. Williams. We had uh, Wanstead. Oh yeah, Dave Wanstead. And. Uh, Oh, my God, he's still in the NFL. Oh, a bonus koozie, a Rock Pile Report koozie to anybody who can tweet at us with the name. Edwards? Wasn't Edwards? Oh, you, oh, you ruined it. 
I was trying to do a giveaway. You ruined it. George Edwards. Yeah, George Edwards. Both of them, where are they now? Are they coaches, Chris? No? No. Are they in the NFL? Maybe, but probably not. Dave Wanstead's over at Fox. I know that. Dave Wanstead, if he hasn't shaved his face, should be inside of his house, (laughs) hiding from everybody. Because that thing, (sighs) that mustache is gross. In this, though, McDermott is again illustrating that if there's things he doesn't know, he's not afraid to tap any and all resources at his disposal to try and educate himself and his staff, to try and learn what it is he doesn't know before it bites him in the ass. Chris, when's the last time a Bills coach has ever done that? Marv Levy. Thank you. Hey! It's, it's, it's frustrating when I think about the history and it's refreshing when I think about the fact that we have someone here who has a sense of, Chris, he doesn't care what the media thinks. He doesn't care what goes on outside the building. Instead, what he cares is, I'm a guy who needs to be the best at my job. And he focuses on that. He puts his attention, his pride towards that. <sighs> And we watch it play out year over year. Tell me the team isn't better for Sean McDermott being a part of this organization. It is. Tell me that the future doesn't look bright. So bright I gotta wear goddamn shades. Maybe this 2020 season goes sour on us. Maybe we run into this wave of adversity. Fueled by either injury or just circumstances outside of our control. (sighs) No one knows what the future for the NFL or the Buffalo Bills is. But if I can say anything, it's that I'm supremely confident that Sean McDermott will move mountains to have his football team prepared to face it in a way most franchises in the NFL could only dream of being. And in that way, Chris, I think both you, I, and every Bills fan out there listening to this podcast still, you got to feel pretty damn good about that. Raise it up. Cheers. McDermott, six more years. Folks, it is a great time to be a Bills fan. We're drafting our own talent, cultivating that talent, re-signing that talent, and we got a head coach that just got a contract extension, the first since Dick Duran. Dick Duran, the name, I want to burn some sage inside of your house just to try to expel the name from the studio. I never want to hear that name again. Sean McDermott has exercised, Chris, two decades of demons in terms of coaching hires. Would you agree with me? Yeah. This one, the team finally got it right. And it took new owners. It took, Chris, it took just, it, what it took was new owners going through an embarrassing sequence with Rex Ryan. Yeah, and they... They got it right with Sean McDermott, and you know what? You cannot say that about other teams within the division because if he had to put money on it, Adam Gase would probably be on his way out at Adam the Gase. end of this season. Adam Gase would be scrubbing toilets somewhere in the arena. Somewhere in Peytonville. Which... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey, listen. Peyton Manning, soft spot for the guy. He loves to give him credit. Maybe he'll hire him when all this is over. Folks, we are incredibly lucky to be in the position we are heading into the season that we are. 
If this thing gets off the ground, the Buffalo Bills are set up for success, and I can't wait to see it play out on the field. We hosted uh, Connor Rogers from the Stick to Football podcast. Over on Bleacher Report. We talked about over at the AFC's Roundup podcast, which we're going to release later this week. It's going to be fantastic. We talk about all of this stuff, including Adam Gase, just kind of being a... Horse's ass. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. Guys, celebrate. Celebrate this week as a Bills fan. Watch the training camp stuff. Let's get knee deep in it. Because next week, we're going to have a very special guest for you. And we're going to have a series of shows here that are really going to close the loop on this offseason process. We're going to get the hell out of here for now. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been the Rock Bob Report. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.